Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our live Texans Colts postgame show. Robert, along with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani, who just left the locker room at NRG Stadium. He is live out at NRG right now. And Sean, I think Levy Smith needs to get his defense together. I mean, what's going on with Levy's defense? I, I don't get it. And uh, I saw your tweet during the game. It's hard to argue with you, right? The defense looked like Swiss cheese, uh, run defense, non-existent. And I had a feeling it was probably going to be not good because people were talking about it all week long. No Jonathan Taylor, because now, of course, the Colts are going to run all over your ass with Zach Moss and Anthony Richardson, um, his ability to you know make plays happen on, on the ground. I think the Texans... Um, you know, kind of got a little antsy there and weren't expecting him to uh, throw it as much. And then when he decided to pull it down, it was about the easiest 15 and 18 yard runs for touchdowns that I remember seeing in this building since Vince Young. That That's who that dude reminded me of on those two first touchdowns that he'd scored. I was like, holy smokes, not this yeah. again. Yeah, that's exactly why I thought of too. Uh, get in the comments. We want to hear from you. We're going to get to the comments in a little bit. But uh, I don't know if any of you guys in the comments are excited about C.J. Stroud. You should be. In the second NFL game, C.J. was 30 for 47 for 384 yards. I know some of that was back end, maybe some prevent defense or whatever. But two touchdowns, no interceptions, no interceptions for the second straight week. And all of this, and this is where what it really matters, all of it behind an offensive line. Sean, that is a catastrophe. Missing four starters, two backups, including the first and second string center, the, the two starting tackles. One is a Pro Bowl left tackle, the main swing tackle. We forget about Charlie Heck. He was the swing tackle coming into the season. Two first-round picks and a second-rounder. It, it's extraordinary what he's been able to do, and it's a jailbreak half the time when he's out there. That's 11 sacks in the first two weeks. Yeah. You just mentioned like one of the biggest, I mean, literally the biggest hole holes that the Texans have to address, have to try to plug uh, between now and the next couple of weeks before they get healthy on that offensive line. Again, presumably right. If Titus Hel Howard is healthy and ready to come back. If Juice Scruggs is healthy and ready to come back. If Laramie Tunsil's uh, right, maybe hopefully this next week. Uh, the fact that CJ Stroud <laughs> is doing what he's doing the last couple of weeks. Um, I, I, it's going to strike a chord with a lot of people, but you're just cynical in nature if you don't respect what C.J. Stroud is doing right now. You're cynical in nature because of what this organization had become over the course of the last three years. And we can talk about that. I think there's plenty of room uh, today to discuss those things. But C.J. Stroud is not one of the questions that we have right now. C.J. Stroud is not playing a position that needs to be plugged. That dude is your quarterback, and if he's healthy, he's going to be your quarterback for a long time, I think. You're watching it, and if you had doubts, you saw more affirmation today that the guy can just freaking drop it on a dime, fit the ball into tight windows, do with it what he needs to do and when he needs to do it, if he's given the darn protection and you know what, even today when the protection wasn't there, his elusiveness bought time and gave him the ability to either make some really good throwaways. And there was a couple of bad ones, one really early that could have gone for an interception. Two Colts missed out on that one, but the guy just found a way to extend a play, make it happen. Good throwaways, good third down conversions. It's unfortunate that the one facet of the game, one week ago that you thought, you know what? You can hang your hat on this one because this offense, play calling, the pre-snap procedures, it's got a long way to go. The injuries, you got a long way to go. The defense let C.J. Stroud and this offense down, I think, in a big way today because it looks like, and looks slow, <laughs> he didn't get a pass. He still has a lot of work to do, and I'm not totally bought in on him yet in terms of play calling and decision-making and stuff like that. But yeah, I have to say this, the defense left much more to be desired today 
And I think we got a lot of questions answered just in a short week's time. As bad as the offensive line is, just the operation and the propensity to make plays, good quarterbacks can overcome some of those failures. And you watched one do it today in C.J. Stroud. He ain't one of your problems. He ain't one of the questions that you should be uh, asking about right now. Yeah, Anthony Weaver, he needs to get his defense together. I'm just telling you right now, Anthony Weaver, come on, man. Come on, Lovey. Let's get this thing together. Go, Luke, Anthony Weaver. <laughs> Luke, Luke says, it seems the names are the only thing that's significantly different with this team. Are, are, are all these injuries just bad luck or indicative of a lack of toughness? I just, <laughs> man, if you play football at any level, you're tough, Sean. I, I don't like hearing the lack of toughness about, about that injury uh, stuff. Yeah. I, I don't know, like, you know, what, what injuries, you know, you're talking about defensively, like Eric Murray, Murray went out with a concussion today. I mean, um, what injuries defensively? I mean, you, there's no excuse. You know, there was, I, there was, I don't know if he means the offensive line. Maybe, um, but... I, I just think, I, I think they should have just takes, put some tape and scotch tape on Kenya Green's shoulder and he would have been fine. And I'm sure that that thing that Quisenberry blew out, if we could have just like put a does, wood leg on him, does he could have just lived out there. I, I don't know who he's talking about. Does the tape but, that you can put on a shoulder, the cast that you can put on a hand, uh, some wrap that you can put on a hamstring make you a better football player? Because if it does, Kenyon Green needs some of that stuff. Um, that would be fantastic. You know, there's nothing you can do about broken bones and, you know, uh, injured hamstrings. And the Texans have had a slew of soft tissue injuries uh, early portion of training camp through the preseason to now they're dealing with some of that stuff, whether it be a quad, a calf, or a hamstring. I don't know the answer. And, and nobody's going to tell me that Jalen Petrie isn't tough or, or, or Jimmy. Bruise the lungs. Stop. Get out yeah. of here with the whole toughness thing. Yeah, here's, yeah. Here's the biggest takeaway, and it's not much of one, but – I mean, I kind of raise an eyebrow to it because any time that you use this as sort of like a talking point throughout the course of a week, um, I, I can build this game up to be whatever I want it to be, right? But for my money, in my opinion, this is probably the most highly anticipated regular season home opener for the Texans in a good three years. Easy. I expected this building today to be juiced as much as ever since the Buffalo playoff game. And it wasn't. It just wasn't. The loudest it was was like third quarter after you'd scored a touchdown and you'd made or the field goal and you made it thirty-one to thirteen, I think, at the time. And the game's it just felt over, right? That was as loud as it got. But when you talk about like the energy, the enthusiasm, um, the buzz that you're looking forward to playing in front of your home fans, but then D'Amico Ryan said it, Will Anderson echoed it which was a part of the message from his head coach at the end of this game, that they didn't come out with energy. They didn't come out with enthusiasm. They didn't play with urgency. I, I don't understand how that can be the case with such a young team getting a chance to play in front of a new crowd, their new fan base, and veterans, uh, mind you. But I think they did. Look at the first play. Will Anderson, again, bam, in the backfield. First pressure. First quarterback hit, only pressure, only quarterback hit of the entire day. Next snap, MJ Stewart, forced fumble. You don't get it. Fine. Third snap, Steven Nelson, pass deflection. The defense, through those first three snaps, were there. They came to play. And you know what happened? Anthony Richardson is just kind of freaking good. And he made it simple. The Texans made it simple on him in coverage, with blown coverage, with missed tackles, with uh, miscommunication in the secondary, and it starts to snowball. And you start not trusting your game plan. You start not trusting your ability to make plays. That's what I saw today. They'll never admit to it, but they've got a lot of work to do when it comes down to just basic, fundamental football. I noticed it in preseason. I've noticed it even in training camp during practice, best on best. The linebackers and the safeties just don't have the vision in the backfield to stay home, make fundamental plays. When that back gets loose, 
you know, on a little bubble screen or a little wheel route, they totally lose sight of them. How many times did that happen today with Zach Moss? Tight ends coming out of the backfield, chipping and releasing on little snag or slant routes. How many times did the freaking third string tight end on the Colts today get loose and hurt you for big yardage or meaningful yardage on second and long in third and manageable situations? Inexcusable things that if you ask Denzel Perryman, Christian Harris, MJ Stewart, should that happen? No, it shouldn't happen. But they bit on the fake handoffs. They bit on the quarterback's propensity to make plays with their legs, and they forget about their assignments. It was yeah, it was I, really I just, it was I, amateur hour. I have no patience for the team lacked energy and isn't. Tr- There's a bunch of guys that are fighting for their future jobs out on the field. Oh, sure. With with Jim Jimmy Ward and Jalen Petrie out, you had two backups at safety that know their future. R- you know, absolutely depends on how they play. Toa Toa, you know, he's a six-round pick. Why? How else would he play? You know, how else would Christian Harris play, who's a third-round pick, and he's got something to prove if he wants to stick around? All of these guys that are out there have something to prove uh, because, I mean, other than maybe Will Anderson, who's a first-round pick and is making – they're going to give him a longer – but he looked great last week. You're telling me all of a sudden he's not putting energy in this week in the, in the game? I, I just don't – I hate that excuse. I hate the energy excuse. Uh, don't don't even entertain that. I mean, that's just silly. That, that's it. This is know? execution. This is about execution. Yeah. Look, and when this you're is, this when is where the look, problem is. When you look and you are not prepared, when you flat out get beat and out schemed, um, you can look at that. I guess from the outside looking in, if you're an average fan, and and think that and and think that's what you're seeing, but it's not. I don't even like entertaining that kind of stuff. Uh, lack of energy and you know uh, all, all that stuff like uh, that toughness. I, I don't want to hear that, especially week two into a, a, a vital season for the Texans. Um, so I think if you go back and you watch this game, and I, I try my best to focus on little things here and there because you can't watch everything on a singular play. So I'll, I pay attention to one thing here and then the other thing there. And I'd really be interested to go back and look and see what the Indianapolis Colts did to neutralize Will Anderson off the edge. I'd really like to go see what they were doing, um, you know, in the A and B gaps with their interior offensive linemen, how they neutralized uh, the Texans uh, defensive interior. I'd really like to go see why the outside backer for the Texans. And even at times Denzel Perryman, who was asked to drop into coverage and he got lost, he lost, uh, Morley or Worley, whatever that dude's name is, the Colts tied in that got loose for like a 43-yard gain on a big third down conversion. I think it was in the first half. That was costly. Um, why those things happened? What look were they showing? It didn't look as if the Colts were doing anything like exotic or extremely creative. They did use some pre-snap motion. But I'll tell you this much. Shane Steichen, that dude, from what I saw today, a really terrific game manager and outcoached the, the preparation, the preparation. Yes. Mitchell Ryan's outcoached. Prepar- just say it. Just say it. Outcoached him. Oh. He outcoached him. You just said it a billion times, but I'm going to tell you why, you know, the preparation that he had for the entire offense to kind of rally around and just on the turn of a dime, you know, play for Gardner Minshew. Minshew didn't hand the freaking ball off, you know, five straight times when he came in the football game. No, it was dink, 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 dink. And he took advantage of a soft zone by the Texans, which they refused to come out of and trust their dudes against, you know what, a receiver room that ain't that good to begin with. People want to talk about the Texans receiver room being one of the worst in the NFL. Hell, the Colts ain't got it going on, okay? And I just thought it was a, a complete failure and breakdown, you know, for D'Amico Ryan's head, you know, uh, coach defense to look that poor at home, nonetheless. All right, let's unpack this game possession by possession. And uh, we'll start off with the Colts first drive. Colts walk it down the field, 10 play, 75 yards. Richardson, 18-yard TD run. I don't want to go through this again. But Texans first possession, Jared Patterson looks horrible on a Damian yeah. Pierce run on first down, just gets bowled over. And then on third down, 
Josh Jones, George Fant, and Shaq Mason all get manhandled. I'm going to come back to Shaq Mason because that's a little quietly underrated story that we need to talk about. But Stroud is sacked. He fumbles. Richardson scores on the next play. Sean, this could not have started any worse. Yeah, it was bad. Patterson got beat badly, as you mentioned, allowed the TFL on Pierce. Josh Jones was really the man that got beat by uh, uh, Ebicom, uh, who sacked Stroud for the uh, lost fumble. You mentioned Richardson scored on that 18-yard touchdown run. It was 18 or 15, whatever it was. But on that Richardson touchdown run, go back and look at Will Anderson. You know, he bit on the fake handoff backside. So he knifes in, doesn't stay home, doesn't squeeze, doesn't make sure that the ball commits past the line of scrimmage. Fundamental things, right? And you remember the last couple of weeks, Will Anderson talking about the defensive line needing to rush as a unit. Okay, well, what the hell does that mean? It doesn't mean a whole lot, you know, to an average fan out there. But rushing in a unit means just doing your job and not over pursuing, not going rogue, not doing anything out of character that is going to hurt the guy next to you. Well, what Anderson did by knifing in, biting on the run instead of sitting there, staying home and squeezing, making sure that ball commits past the line of scrimmage is he puts his linebackers and his safeties Uh, susceptible to have to make a play in the secondary. And there was nobody there to do that with Richardson. That is Anderson's play to take away. And that is a play that's probably made in and around the line of scrimmage. If he stays disciplined, he should be the first guy to touch Anthony Richardson on that play and didn't have one eye on him. He thought he was going to knife into the backfield and just make a play. Texans second possession. CJ Stroud responds. He remains calm. It was an impressive drive, 13 plays, 68 yards. Third and six, Stroud throws his first career NFL touchdown to Nico Collins, Sean. Yeah, I thought that was uh, an excellent drive by the Texans and Stroud. He showed his accuracy, extended plays, handled the pressure well, uh, found Collins, Woods, and that was just not Dell on that one. I think it was just Collins and Woods on some key third down conversions. Beck and uh, Agumbawale had some key conversions on one yard runs to extend the drive. Um, and look, you mentioned it there, uh, hitting Collins there for that touchdown. It was, it was really encouraging, and it was good for Stroud. It was important for me, you know, on that second offense. That was the second offensive possession, right, for them. Yes, yeah, because he'd fumbled on the first one. Um, to get that kind of get the whole first thing out of here, like go score touchdown. To me, that was just a, a more validation that this is your dude. I mean, how much more can we possibly harp on? Like, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Look how accurate the guy has been. He knows where to go with the football. You know, everybody knows in the building and on the defense, third and five passing situation, third and long, whatever the case may be. Where are you going to go with the football? He's been looking at Robert Woods. I'd like to see Dalton Schultz involved more there, but hell, he can. He's got to stand and chip and, and maybe block just to give extra extra protection. But today, they found a way to get Collins loose on more of those crossing routes, and I love it. It's beautiful. You know, Bobby Sloak, that's where I'll give him credit, is in training camp and in the preseason, we saw him use Collins in a number of creative ways that I think you're going to start to see them implementing more now that he figured out, hey, you know what? We can trust Tank Dell a little bit too. All three of these guys should be legitimate options for C.J. Stroud um, on, on third down situations especially. Like these are great emergency valves. Tank Dell did a terrific job gaining separation. Nico Collins has had no problem getting separation and man coverage on these crossing routes and in the ability to fight through contact and finish strong with the ball. I, I thought you saw all of those things on that drive. Colt second possession. The Texans force a three and out. Texans follow with the three and out. On the third and long, the Colts bring a blitz and sack CJ. And Sean, it looked like Stroud didn't identify it. And that's maybe my one criticism of him is he's still getting used to identifying when the blitz is going to come. And he had a couple of third and longs where it just seemed like he was a little bit slow in reacting. Maybe he should, there should have been a hot route ready, but I also watched four receivers in their pattern and nobody 
except maybe Robert Woods was looking back for Stroud on that play. So, you know, you just kind of have to chalk it up to young team growing pains, I guess, uh, with the young, I mean, I don't know, a young team, they're going to make these mistakes. You're talking about the EJ speed sack, right? Um, on, on that, on that third uh, offensive series. Yeah. I forget who got him there, but it, it was it, speed. Yeah. He split and I guess it was green. He split green and Jones on the left side. And that play particularly went for a nine yard loss and the sack to kill the drive. They end up punting. And I, I thought it, it, it's hard to say like, okay, is that Stroud that didn't identify that blitz? Like you're, you're getting pressure from the interior, nothing off the edge. You split the right, the left tackle and the left guard in that instance there's got to be the propensity from the offensive linemen to be able to make the proper line call and at least punch. He came through untouched and just blitzed, like just trucked Stroud. Like that play was dead from the snap. And when you talk about Stroud's ability to identify things, like, yeah, maybe those are some things that he can grow into and maybe make a line call here and there if he needs to, or just, affirm to the offensive line like hey look here's this guy you know make sure we get eyes on him make sure we get eyes on him I saw later on in this game where these guys it was like a a walk down safety or a slot corner whatever the case may be they would line up over it was Nico Collins in one instant who was lined up in the slot and he moves in and it's a clear tell like the guy's gonna blitz or at least he's showing blitz right You've got to be able to, as a receiver in that instance, recognize that and your route is off because that right tackle has his hands full with the end and he's not going to get this guy coming in on a stab. So if he goes, I have to at least go with him. I have to abandon my route. And all that does is for Stroud, as he's going through his progressions, it eliminates Collins or He identifies that and he hits his hot, which at that point in time is probably uh, the offset back to the left on a little bubble or a little snag route uh, with that left wide out. That's the kind of thing that has to improve and that, you know, look, the, the receivers have to get on the same page. Stroud has to be able to learn that, identify that. That's a call that he can make if he identifies that. Not once today can I remember, Robert, where the Texans, maybe until later in the game, but the meat and potato part of this game, not once can I remember the Texans operationally getting to the line of scrimmage late and having to hurry up and get a call, uh, the ball snapped. And to me, operationally, procedurally, I think that's where you notice the biggest cleanup from the Texans offensively from last week to this week. So as you start to progress, I think C.J. Stroud can now start to focus a little bit more on what he's seeing or what he needs to pay attention to a little bit more defensively and identifying some of those free rushers. Next Colts possession, Texans force a three and out. Texans with a four and out on their offensive possession. Pierce gets a first down, but on third nine, Colts again with the blitz. This time Stroud gets rid of it quickly, so you know, realizing that it's coming this time, but it's a panic throw behind Tank Dell. Yeah. If he could have gotten it to Tank in stride, maybe Dell turns that first down into something, but it's incomplete. Yeah, that was that was one of a few really, you know, bad throws. Uh, that one behind Dell. Um, I think he led Collins, you know, a, a little bit too far on a couple of instances today, but there really wasn't many. And you know, those bad throws, you just kind of prefaced, they're, they're almost excusable because of the rush that he was taking. One thing that I noticed today, and it was, I'd have to go back and look to see if it actually happened on that play, but his body position when he is facing a rush, when he was facing a rush rather today, he was able to kind of fix his feet, fix his body just to get in position to get the ball off. And sometimes he threw it away. Sometimes it looked like he was throwing it away, but, you know, in trying to do so, like actually in play instead of throwing it out of bounds, like kind of just if this guy makes a play, he makes a play. It's more on them than it is on me at that point in time. And I just thought 
that was a conscious effort for him this week to improve um, and getting his body in position to get rid of the ball better. Because you go back to last week in his debut, sacked five times, think took 10 quarterback hits, pressured I don't know how many times. How many times could he have gotten rid of the ball if he just, you know, instead of trying to extend that play, fixes his body to just get rid of it, throw it away, dead play, wash it, flush it, whatever you want to say, let's get to the next one. I thought he did a much better job of that today. So Richardson goes out with an injury. Minshew comes in. I knew it'd be bad news because I believe you'd rather face a rookie than a four. I mean, you're the Texans. I get it. But you still rather face a rookie than a four year vet. Mm -hmm. So the Colts walking down the field in for the second long touchdown drive of the half. Six plays, 76 yards, bad tackling Colts doing what teams did to the Texans defense last year. Seven yards per carry. The rush defense, Sean, we got to talk about it. It's 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 bad. It looked like uh, flashbacks. Yeah, that drive that Minshew came in, that was the one that I was talking about where Mallory got loose uh, for a 43-yard gain off the right side. I think he like ran a seam or something like that. And it looked like Perryman botched the coverage. Um, and what you saw today, more of it early than late, I think, Unless, you know, the Colts did something later in this game, maybe on their last couple of possessions, uh, and that I might have missed, five plays that went for more than 15 yards. And much of that was early. Two of them were by Richardson with his feet. Um, and it was all set up, you know, by what the Colts were doing on the offensive line. They opened up some great cutback lanes for Moss. They set the edge, the ability for – Richardson, who we know has elite athleticism, you know, elite speed for a quarterback, and he's already going to be tough to bring down. You know, all that matters is just this much of a difference from him to a quarterback like Stroud, who that's not going to be the first thing in his mind. Like, hey, my read's not there. Let me pull it and run. Richardson's going to do that innately. And I think that just kind of opened up everything. The Texans had to remain almost hesitant. I'll say that instead of using the word patient for them defensively today, because they respected so much of what the Colts did early on in the run game that ended up hurting them later, even when Minshew came in, because they know Minshew ain't afraid to pull it down and run either. So Stroud responds on the next possession, really good drive, third and five at the eleven. He was a little rushed because Josh Jones, with some poor footwork at left tackle, his defender made CJ get rid of it early. Jones, a couple of bad moments already, and we're going to get to some later. He was penalized a few plays later, uh, or actually it was a few plays earlier than that when he wasn't lined up on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, but overall, it was a nine-play, 64-yard drive for a field goal. <clears throat> it's 21-10. to 10. Uh, Josh Jones... I, I'm going to stop a second, Sean, just and say, Josh Jones, put him at right tackle. He he had one position that he was really good at last year. You have that position that needs to be played right now. George Fant isn't going to be special at either position, but at least Josh Jones might be good at one position rather than bad at everywhere else that you stick him. Who do you play left tackle? Left tackle was uh, Josh Jones today. No, I'm saying, who do you play at left tackle if Josh Jones doesn't play left put tackle? Put George Fant there. I mean, either way, you're playing somebody out of position than what they've normally been playing. You know, whether you go off of experience most recently of last year or my, not. My, my point but, is, Josh Jones has had one really good year at right tackle. George Fant has had no really good years at any position. He's a backup. Yeah. He's a scrap heap tackle. Josh Jones was a high draft choice that you paid a draft choice to get, that the Texans said people are going to come after this guy. And whatever, they might have been wrong, but Josh Jones was, you know, by the numbers, was a good tackle last year I, at, not, on the right side. Just how about get one thing right? We're going to have, well, we're gonna have a know. bunch of stuff wrong, you don't, but how about You don't know right? if it's right. You don't know if it's right. That's what you call the good old gun to your head. Like, <laughs> flip a coin. Let's play Russian roulette because you don't know. Like, okay, so flip Josh Jones to right tackle. He might suck over there too. George Fant might suck at left tackle. Uh, the one guy I thought they were going to start today and roll with was Michael Dieter. They absolutely hate this guy. 
they hate him. He was the first guy they turned to in training camp when King and Green appeared to be out of shape or not at full strength. They said, get your butt in there, left guard. He'd been that first guy. He'd been the first guy when they officially moved on from him. And he hadn't been able to nail that job down. You might as well try it because dating back to, what, preseason week two? Like, they've had a different dude at some position on the offensive line. And now that you're banged up, I mean, you might as well. They, they had no problem with C.J. Stroud showing up late this last week on the injury report and throwing him out there today. He's good. We're not. It wasn't even a situation, clearly, where it was like, well, we'll see if he can just make it. No, he was good to go, okay? Um, so you weren't worried about, like, another different offensive line with him, one that was unproven, one that, again, only had five days, presumably less than that, really, uh, to work with each other. So, yeah, you might as well try anything at this point over the course of the next week or two until you get uh, Tunsil and Howard and Scruggs back. Um, and even then, like, it's still – there's a giant question mark. It was going to be the case anyway week one if that projected starting offensive line since Questenberry had gone down the second week of training camp – it was going to be worth a darn to begin with, but you felt better about it because you had at least three vets on the line. And it, you're just kind of grasping at straws at this point in time. But, I mean, look, I'm with you. Dude's taken 21 quarterback hits, 11 sacks the last two weeks. You can't do any worse. you got to try something else. I, I, I am not saying that there's good choices here. But what I'm saying is one guy, you know, that you just traded for, and you spent a fifth round draft cho- choice on and was a was a high draft choice just three years ago out of the University of Houston. One guy played really, really well at right tackle, a key position on the offensive line that you need somebody to play. George Fant is a guy that you brought in because Charlie Heck was injured and nobody else wanted him. So George Fant's out there and he was playing right tackle. Then play him at left tackle. You know what? He's. He's probably got more experience, which is zero experience at left tackle than Josh Jones. That's my point. Like, I understand at, your at point. Least, but... My point is one guy has, has, has at least played really well for a whole season on an NFL roster as a starter mm-hmm. at one position. Play him at that position. Get one of these injury situations right. And as far as left guard is concerned, I mean – one thing I didn't notice today was Kendrick Green, and that's a good thing. I don't know if you noticed him, but I didn't, and that's good. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I guess the offensive line stinks, you know, whether you notice guys or not. I mean, in terms well, of – Well, I'm up, saying Ken, I didn't see Kendrick Green give up a sack. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and again, you know what? Well, he did give up a sack. I mean, uh, to EJ Speed, you know, he split Green and Jones on the play. <laughs> and to be honest with you, that was probably Green's guy where he needed to help out um, and, and take over, you know, or at least provide a punch. He came through untouched in that instance to sack Stroud for that nine-yard loss. So I'm going to have to look at that play again because I can swear they brought one more guy than the Texans had, period. So, I, I, but I'll have to look at it again. Gotta, you got you got two arms for a reason. You know, it, it can be six on five. It can be seven on five. You got to get a hand on somebody. The millisecond matters. Um, you know, nobody gets a pass on this offensive line, and I mean nobody. They're bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's check out uh, what happens after that because the Texans responded, but then their defense doesn't respond. They get shredded again. Fourth touchdown of the half, 260 total yards for the Colts in the first half. 260 total yards. It was painful to watch. Yeah, it was. And uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think the uh, overall rushing numbers at the break, they were getting like 7.1 yards per carry or something like that. Um, On just 11 carries, it was explosive plays. And that's something that we saw routinely last year. I mean, it was multiple every single game and just killers. But the thing that really also hurt you, um, you know, at the early part of this game was when Richardson went out, it was the dink, 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 dink stuff by Minshew. And then they could run the ball, you know, five, six, seven yards a pop as well with Zach Moss, who was just at one point got four straight carries and two third down conversions the latter of which, you know, came on a little dump-off pass to him. 
uh, I think, or maybe that had set up the fourth and one, but nevertheless, and Texans got lucky with the spot on that one, I think too, but um, it was just, they had no answer for it, man. And the tone had been set, you know, by the half uh, where, you know, look, the Texans, they had that really nice drive. They had to settle for a field goal. The one where Stroud overshoots Schultz in the end zone. And that almost looked like a throwaway, but again, he was rushed, no protection once again from the line. So it was just, it's a big mess. First Texans possession of the third quarter. They get past midfield, but a first down sack puts them behind the eight ball. Josh Jones, Josh Jones gets beat badly again. The Colts get a field goal, but the Texans look like they respond with a touchdown drive. But Josh Jones, again, a holding penalty negates it. Then he gives up a sack on third and goal, Sean. It was not a Josh Jones highlight reel in this game or in this drive? No. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, the penalties, I don't know how many they had today. I think the uh, Colts had far more than the Texans. No, no that's the one just... positive you could say is, as far as penalties go, they look like the much more disciplined team. And, and that, they, that was, that was they, the word that I used, you know, in my head when I'm looking at that earlier in the game. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, if you do take away a positive, as you said, you know, it, it is that they appear to be really disciplined. But, it when they when they when it felt like they needed to have a play the most, it's when they shot themselves in the foot. Whether it be a breakdown of protection um, or a penalty, it just it's costly. When you don't do a lot of things really really well, um, you have to make sure you take care of the fundamentals when it's crunch time. And the Texans didn't do that today. Eight penalties, forty two yards for the Colts. Three penalties, twenty yards for the Texans. But yeah, the Texans had the one play that uh, was taken away from them as far as a touchdown is concerned because of a penalty. So there you go. And then they get the ball back after the D finally gets a stop. Great drive from Stroud, five plays, 67 yards, 25 yard pass to Woods, 16 yard pass to Brevin Jordan and a 23 yard touchdown pass to Tank Dell. Yeah, you know, Stroud started to kind of get into a flow and that's really what I'd like, uh, you know, they don't want to talk about that sort of thing after a loss, but to me, that was the most encouraging thing to come from the entire day is, and you know, like you're down by a lot of points, you know, maybe the defense is playing a little softer, but Stroud, the ability to get in a rhythm. I even thought like, you know what, if I'm the Colts late in this game and I'm up by two scores and Stroud's starting to really roll and go bam, 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 just move the chains, you know, time and time again. If I'm the Colts, I'm calling a timeout, and I'm trying to dial something else up because this is the game within the game. Let's work on our ability to, you know, slow the opposition's momentum down here. There's always something to work on. Now, the Colts opted not to do that, and you know what? Stroud's going to be a better quarterback because of it going into the next week because his ability to get into a flow, gain chemistry with multiple receivers, even getting Dalton Schultz more involved in this offense later in the game when it was, you know, all but done for and, and lost. To me, those are important downs uh, for Stroud, a young quarterback. You know, he, we care about the loss, you know, more. That's what hurts. That's what stings. That's what's disappointing. But I'm telling you, the most encouraging thing has got to be for Stroud and these receivers and even Bobby Sloak to go back and look and say, you know what? We had this damn thing moving late. Okay, let's go to some comments real quick. Manny Martinez says, not having Petrie and Ward hurt us. The next that's guys right. up have to perform better. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. And then George Ochoa says, people will blame Nick, but you can't predict that many O-line injuries. And I, I agree with that. You, you, I mean, there's nobody that is going to come back from all those O-line injuries. And we went through them off the top. But, I mean, they've lost four starters and, and a couple of backups you know, just in the last few weeks. So it's, it's unbelievable. But the one thing that I will, I will blame Nick, Nick should shoulder some of the blame though. Yeah. Nick, I want to blame Nick for one thing, because now you've got all these O-line injuries. You're not a deep team. You've got a rookie quarterback. So now what happens? You look like a team right now. that's going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. And you made the decision to trade your first round pick instead of the Browns first round pick. And the Will Anderson thing, I, I do not think they had to trade their own first-round pick. We said it at the time. We wondered if it would come back to bite them. And right now, it looks very much like 
it's going to be like a top five to 10 pick and maybe even higher than that, the way the Texans are. I mean, the offensive line, they could come back, but they're not going to get chemistry immediately. And this does this doesn't get fixed just because some of these guys come back. It'll help a little bit, but the defense right now looks pathetic. And that's that's this is on Nick Casario because let me just Sean, I don't know if you agree with me. The linebackers are terrible. They're terrible. Linebackers, um Denzel Perryman, you know, uh puts a little lipstick on the pig for me. But yeah, as a group, they're not good, man. And I told you. <laughs> I told you, and I hate to say that I told you, um, people weren't talking about the linebacker core enough in training camp, in the preseason, hell, in the offseason. Um, all right, maybe not the offseason, because you know what? I expected to get a hell of a lot more from a guy named Corey Littleton than the Texans have, which is freaking that right there. They ain't got a damn thing from him. And, you know, Perryman last week looked like the thumper. Well, they looked all like Bambi today. Um, and if you want to use the word soft, well, that's what a Swiss cheese defense is going to make certain guys look like. I think they can be better. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go as far out on the ledge after two weeks and say that, you know, they're going to end up being one of, you know, and that's maybe subjective, maybe a bottom five team in the NFL by season's end. I guess it could happen. I just, I see elements uh, on both sides, and if you get healthy and you're able to kind of get a little momentum, quarterback can do a lot. And I'm telling you right now, they got themselves a dang quarterback. can change a lot in a short amount of time. So it is a fair question at this point in time, though. When the hell do the Texans get their first win? Because you got Jacksonville, you've got Pittsburgh, and you've got Atlanta over the course of the next three weeks. Uh, I could make a pretty weak argument for Jacksonville next week, but they gave Kansas City hell today. A best argument I could make is probably Atlanta because that's around the same timeline that you uh, should expect to get uh, fully healthy, in air quotes, uh, on the offensive line. So we'll see. If you want seven wins, this was a game that you thought you could get. You He also knocked it, yeah. out the quarterback in the first half too. Yeah. So you went through two quarterbacks in this game. And quarterback still, and you're in their starting center <laughs> you know they, they had some guys banged up and you, you still capitalize. didn't look like you belonged in the mm -hmm. ball game against yep. a team that everybody considers like a bad team yeah and, and here's the thing you know there's there's starters and there's reserves for a reason but when you build a team you don't build a team to have starters and then you're not building a team of just reserves like you're, you're building a team ideally for your backups to Wally pitch somebody's ass at some point. And, you know, they have starter potential. That's kind of in your mind how you're trying to build a team. Hell, they're not even one deep in multiple positions on the offensive line. M maybe not even in the linebacker core. And in the secondary with no Jimmy Ward, with no Jalen Petrie, um, and some corner I've never even heard of having to play today after uh, or the safety after Eric Murray went out with the concussion. I mean, they're, they're very, very weak positionally right now in one of the strongest position groups you felt the best about coming into the season, which is the secondary. So it's just, they've got a lot of holes to plug now, but I think you started reading the comment about Nick Casario. They, that guy shoulders a lot of the blame. It's roster construction, and I thought he could have addressed a lot of positions uh, with more urgency this offseason, particularly since we learned over the course of the last couple of weeks what we knew, or what they knew, rather, about uh, the health or lack thereof. Of yeah, I, I, I don't want to, like... I, well, you brought I, it I can, up. Just I, can, I can gripe a lot of stuff about Nick Casario. They, they do in May that Kenyon Green was hurt. In May, the draft is over with. In May, everybody likes who they brought in camp and who they drafted. You're not going to get somebody good in May. He, he let it play out. He did what you have to do. You could, if you're trading for somebody in May or June, you're overpaying. But you would hope somebody maybe squeezes through on a roster by the time you get to the beginning of the season. The other thing that he kind of banked on and I don't think it was bad to bank on this. He thought, well, I drafted Juice Scruggs, who can play both guard and center. I have 
Quisenberry, who played center last year and who was a veteran. So if, if, if for some reason Kenyon Green doesn't work out, I have my starting center for last year, and I got a second-round pick that I'm really high on in Juice Scruggs. Then what happens? Quisenberry blows out everything at the start of training camp. Then Juice Scruggs all of a sudden is injured right before the season started. He had also drafted Jared Patterson. I don't know what people expect. If they expected Nick Casario to have 15 offensive linemen, but the offensive line is not his fault. If you want to blame him that Kenyon Green isn't worth a first-round pick, we can have that argument, but we can't have it this year and because he's not healthy that, enough to play. That is another That is another hole. <laughs> in, but but in you can't make that argument process. this year because he's not healthy enough to play. And last year, he might not have been right that either. either. And, and then the argument is, well, should you not have drafted Kenyon Green because he's got injury problems? Well, I didn't hear about, about a long history of injury problems coming out of Texas A&M. I think he might have had an injury, but you could say that just about anybody that comes into the NFL has played some big-time college football. So, I, I, you know, the, the stuff to blame Nick, Nick Casario on, like I said, all, trading your first-round pick next year, to me, was just dumb, considering that could be a top-five pick. And I get it. You got Will Anderson, but you also had a number 12 pick. And then you had a pick that was basically another first rounder that he gave away this year. So he gave away three first round picks, including potentially a top five next year for Will Anderson. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's a pass rusher, but you know, I get it, but still, you know, you, you could get three really great a guys instead of one guy, you know, and, and maybe Will Anderson changes everything. I heard he was out there in this game, Sean, you know, getting guys together on defense, showing the leadership that the reason why you drafted him, yeah. but he also has got to show that he can do something on the field. And as we've talked about at the big, since the beginning of the show, Will Anderson was not much of a factor today at all outside of the first play or two. No. And he's one of those guys that uh, I rarely do this, but go back and watch uh, specific for guys. Uh, I did notice in one instance, the dude was triple teamed. <laughs> You just yeah. got, got triple team today at, at, at one point when I look up and, um, you know, when when you're in the position to do it, um, like the Colts were at that particular time, you know, with the size of a lead all early, you know, you're going to see and you're going to neutralize, um, you know, the opposition's best player. You're going to step on the throat, so to speak. You're going to impose your will. And the Colts did that today. The Texans had no answer. And so, yeah, I'd be interested to go back and see what they did and how the Texans can possibly respond next week on the road in Jacksonville. Yeah. Noel's really positive about CJ's progress. We agree. I mean, you can talk about all the other stuff till you're blue in the face, but if you got a quarterback, that's all that matters. And and that's a big storyline. So we're in the first two games. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention, Sean, the Texans rushing attack over two games, 49 carries, 124 yards, 2.5 yards per carry. They talked about wanting to emphasize the, the, the running attack, but it just hasn't worked. But again, we just keep going back to the same stuff. I got to see a real starting offensive line before I'm ready to, you know, kill Bobby Slowick and, you know, Damian Pierce and, and everybody about how bad the running game is. Yeah. You know, at one point I looked up today and it felt like very early on and just it, it didn't it didn't matter. Um, but it's that um, the Texans' balance of run and pass was much better today. I think it was 20 pass attempts and 20 carries in the early goings. Maybe it was like 21 to 3 or 21 to 7, whatever it was, um, in the early portion of this game. I, I think the intent was there, but you get to a point to where it's like, okay, we literally – we're showing – um, that we want the run game to be a part, but at some point we got to move the chains. And I thought that's where CJ really stepped up today. And Bobby Slowick stepped up in his own right with some play designs and infusing some route concepts, giving CJ some better looks, some easy opportunities to Woods and Collins on some crossing routes. So uh, that, that part is a work in progress, I think. But I noticed about Damian Pierce today on a couple of runs where He's talked about being a different guy in his approach to running the football, being taking more of a patient approach. It's hard to do it when you don't have your dudes on the offensive line there. So, yeah, maybe wait and see. But I also think, too, 
let's not totally excuse Damian Pierce because I thought he missed some opportunities for some really good cutbacks today, and he didn't take them. He was a little bit too patient, you know, and waiting things to open up for that initial hole when, you know what, get back to that runner that you were last year. You know, one cut, boom, go. It ain't there, here I go. I'm going to lower my head, lower my shoulder, and I'm going. And, you know, it may be understandable a little bit. New system, new philosophy, jacked up offensive line. When they get healthy here in a couple of three more weeks, you know, hopefully we got to start to see that. But hopefully we start to see it uh, a little bit before then because C.J. Stroud's going to need it, man. Hey, Sean, do you have a number one receiver if in the first two weeks of the season he has 13 catches for 226 yards? The Nico Collins after 147, I think it was today. Yeah, 146, I see. I mean, Nico's the guy. Um, I floated the idea that maybe Tank Dell's your dude, you know, earlier on in training camp just because of the various ways they'd found to get him the ball. But Nico was that guy every day, made a play down the field on a crossing route. And luckily, the first couple of weeks of this season, that's where his money is, man. Um, the, the the job that Bobby Slowick has done to free Collins up. And I think give Collins credit to his own right, his ability to create separation this year, take advantage of some matchups, strong hands. I mean, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I feel pretty confident. The ball's in Collins' area. If it's catchable, Duke's going to yeah. come down with it, and he's going to finish through the contact and get you even more yards. He did it a couple of times today, probably got about 10, 12 yards a yak. Um, and, and all those are valuable yards at the end of the day, especially when your defense is commensurate and they're taking yards away. Um, so, yeah, Nico's your number one, and Woods is your number two. Tank Dell, after his performance today, hopefully he's earned a, a, a pretty good spot up here in Bobby Slowick's mind. But you know what? Well, we can trust this guy to do some things too, especially on third down, be an option for us, a playmaker. We saw the ability today. Should have had two touchdowns, only had one. but. Um, he's going to be a big part of this offense, I think, too, and makes make defenses think, which should open up things for the Texans offensively. Robert Woods, six catches, 74 yards. Tank Dell, seven catches, 72 yards. Dalton Schultz, four for 34. Brevin Jordan, a Brevin Jordan sighting, as I mentioned earlier, two catches, 27 yards. But the one guy we got to mention, because this was a really special day for this kid, John Mechie comes back from cancer. He comes back from a major injury ending his senior year. Uh, just a, an amazing story that he is actually playing football. He makes his first NFL catch, his first time on an NFL field during a regular season game. And congratulations to John Mechie. Yeah, very, very cool. And I'm glad I was wrong about his uh, situation, man. I, I really thought that uh, – you know, he was going to start the season on IR just uh, for various reasons, not because of actual health, but just him not being ready. And I thought it would, was validated at the time by something Nick Casario would said that he looks like a guy that hadn't played football in 18 months. And it's true. It's true. But the ability to get him in there today when they did and give him a first look, first catch, kind of get that stuff out of the way, first home game. Hey, like now you're in it, man, and you're healthy. Thank God. And you can put the cancer behind you and you can start thinking about and focusing on football every day, you know, and, and just getting better at that craft, getting better at your dream. Um, that, that was very cool for Mechie, man. So I'm looking forward to seeing much, much more of him down the road, too. I guess my last word, and, and I'll let you go. I got to see what this offensive line is when it's healthy. I feel like. I'm just wasting time here waiting for these guys to come back from injury in the next couple of weeks. And hopefully yeah. it, it will be only maybe only one more week of, of sitting through this because I know Juice Scruggs is supposed to be back, right, by week four. Is that correct? Well, he's got to miss the four, first four weeks. Titus Howard's got to miss the first four weeks. So they're out four games. Okay, they're they're both out. I thought one of them, it was only a three-week deal or something like that. So, okay. So, yeah, I mean – until until we get through this, you know, first four weeks, until we get to week four and, and see Titus Howard and Juice Scruggs out there, then I, I, it's hard for me. And, and of course, Laramie Tunsil. You know, I, I, sh I sure hope this is not a major thing for Laramie Tunsil. I mean, good go goodness gracious. I mean, this is not fair 
to, to C.J. Stroud, and it's not fair to the Texans fans because it finally looked like you had an offensive line with some potential. Yeah, I wrote two articles about uh, the offensive line being solidified uh, and the promise that it had for the first time since uh, the 2012 offensive line. <laughs> you know, you know those guys that were blocking for Arian Foster. Um, yeah, I can't wait. You know, and 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 maybe six weeks time, seven weeks time, if this thing really improves health wise and performance wise, maybe I can kind of. Uh, rework some of those uh, articles that I've written and, uh, you know, put an exclamation point on them. I hope that's the case. But, I mean, th th this is a giant incomplete, right? I mean, in football, if you think about it, even with your very best teams, dude, it's so rare that you have everybody, every integral piece to a team in any facet on the field and in a game at the same time. And that's one of the most frustrating things about football for me uh personally is because it, it, it's the biggest damn roster of any professional sport and getting everybody on the same page and clicking and hitting on all cylinders it's damn near impossible but it feels like the texans are bitten by this dang bug uh you know more ways than one every single year and the the year that now after two weeks if you weren't a believer before, if you weren't a believer after last week, maybe it's going to take a performance um, and, and a win from C.J. Stroud and putting up these kinds of numbers and showing you what he did uh, to, to, to kind of affirm that for you. But you got a dang quarterback, and I wonder what this dude's going to look like, what this offense is going to look like with Laramie Tunsil, you know, with – I don't know who the hell is going to be their left guard whenever they do get healthy. <laughs> I don't know. Kendrick Green, who Tunsil insert left guard and then Juice Scruggs and Shaq Mason and Titus Howard. Maybe the left guard turns out to be Jared Patterson this year at some point when Scruggs comes back. I don't know. Whenever they're kind of full strength, this team, I'm excited about it at that point. So I got to wait about two more weeks. Yeah. And again, you deal with injuries in, in football, but to lose an entire offensive line before week one or by week two, I guess you would say, with the Tunsil news, that, that that's pretty disappointing. Like I said, Shaq Mason, to me, has been a big disappointment so far, and that's a concern because you not just traded for him, but where, where I think Casario, you know, kind of bet on his move was signing him to that extension. And the Shaq Mason that I've seen so far looks like he could be replaced and nobody would notice because it's 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 been pretty poor. Yeah, well, and he's it, looking like a guy that needs uh, help around him. You're right about that. Can, can I set George Ochoa straight, who just uh, uh, texts the show? Tunsil was out for the season with a finger last year. He's got a knee now. We may never see him again. Uh, just to clear your mind, uh, Tunsil missed last year. Uh, with the thing that wasn't last year, right? That was two no, years, no. That was two years, years ago. ago. Um, and he missed it two years ago because his team sucked and they were sucking on purpose. And he wasn't going to be a part of that situation and put himself at further risk of injury. He knew he had a payday coming and he got it. Highest paid left tackle in history for the second time. Um, this year, they ain't trying to stink on purpose, okay? It's a, it's a building year. They're actually trying to go out here and win games with their franchise quarterback. So uh, don't worry about that stuff. Um, you'll see them again. Um, maybe it's not this week. I hope it is. Um, it came up, you know, came down to the last minute kind of a thing, you know, on Friday before they made that determination. Um, and I if it was anything serious, Robert, I think we would have observed something a little bit more um, this past week, but he tried to give it a go. And then Friday, he didn't dress out. You don't dress out Friday. It's usually an indicator you're not going to play. Um, so I, I would just pay attention to the injury report this week, and we'll see. I'll let you know uh, first thing uh, Wednesday morning if he's out on the practice field. So you can follow me at Sean Bajani, and I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, and we're planning to have Sean – back in on Wednesday for our regular show, our midweek show. So we'll go over all the latest with the Texans, the injury news, and, and we'll preview the, the game next week. Uh, just to end it on two positives, we've said it in the show, and I'll just end on it. C.J. Stroud, 
You got somebody, Nico Collins. You got somebody. That's two huge positives after two weeks. Tank. Two guys that could really make a difference. Yeah, Tank, of course, too, is somebody that, you know, as long as you you play him, I think he's going to be able to do some things. So, uh, so there's some some real positives there. And hopefully Will Anderson will get back on track next week and we'll see yeah. some a positive there as well. But hey, give old man Woods his credit too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm talking about for the future. <laughs> Woods is a stopgap. I'm talking about I for know. Texans fans long term. I'm just talking long term. Give the old man his credit though. Come on. Well, thanks everybody for uh watching and listening. Tell your friends about us. Tell anybody that you know what we're doing here after every single Texans. Uh, regular season game. We're going to be coming at you. We'll also be coming at you for all the games leading up to the Super Bowl as the Texans charge into the playoffs, into the Super Bowl. Sean's prepared. He's ready to to ride with the Texans all the way. Yeah, well, I'm I'm, I'm just I'm trying to will it into happening. But yeah, oh. uh, we're we're going to stay with the Texans all, all year long. And uh, check us out in our midweek shows as well to to talk uh, Texans and and everything that's going on in Houston sports. Astros and Rockets. Excited again. This is our ten year anniversary this week so we're gonna have a special show for that one but i want to thank everybody for joining us thanks for for uh commenting uh keep the comments coming keep the comments coming if you're watching this on tape we want to see the comments uh up on our uh, feed no matter what we'll we'll answer we'll check it out uh but thank you so much texans lose they fall to zero and two uh they go for the first win again under namico ryan's next week we'll be there for it take care everybody You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.